Over the past few years, I have asked you guys to give me a rating and review. And if you've done that, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. It's so helpful. But if you haven't, I get it. I kind of get it. Like, I'm asking you to go and click on this thing and then like, how do I do it? And then I have to come up with some kind of a review and I don't know what to say and I'll do it later, right? I, I get it. I've, I've kind of been there before. I, I know exactly how you feel. And so I'm not asking you to do that now, okay? What I'm asking you to do now is so easy. Anybody can do it and it literally takes like one second. Go into whatever you're listening to, whether it's Apple Podcast or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening on, they all have it, and just click on the subscribe button. Just subscribe. It takes one second. You don't have to be creative. You don't have to come up with a review and write it all out and you know be self-conscious about it. Just hit that subscribe button. That would be so, so, so impactful for me. And if you're enjoying this and getting a lot out of it, that would mean the world to me. It really would. And it's so easy. Anyone can do it. Like, let's literally stop listening right now. Stop listening. Go and do it. That's how much it means to me. Nobody ever asks you to leave their show and stop listening for anything. But I'm asking you to stop listening right now. Go and just quickly subscribe. Come right back and take a listen. That would mean the world to me. I would really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. And I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you for corroborating my rant. The deals are out there, guys. There's always going to be deals. So get that out of your brain. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right. Thank you for joining me on Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you tuning in for another live replay. Uh, we had a really fun one, some great live interaction uh, from somebody on uh, YouTube, actually. They were watching on YouTube and they were asking questions and a really good question, actually, about sellers and what do you do and how do you not lose your leverage when you sort of tell them what you want to give them for their house and they tell you that they want to talk to family members and you're kind of concerned they're just going to shop around your offer. How do you handle that? How do you not lose in that situation uh, and lose all your leverage? And I answered that question in pretty good detail. Uh, also talked to uh, somebody about... Um, the burst strategy. They were concerned that it's dead and that the burst strategy does not work anymore in the current market climate. And I had a pretty good long answer about that one too. Got a little passionate, got on my soapbox a little bit, but a uh, good answer. And I think you guys should check that out. Also, uh, long-term rentals, out-of-state long-term rentals. You can't go and visit it in person. How do you keep the turnover cost at a minimum with houses that you just don't have direct access to or physical access to yourself. How do you do that? How do you not end up spending a fortune turning these things over when you have to change renters? And so that was a really fun one too. Uh, so t stay tuned to all that. Guys, also I talked about, and you know this, you, if you've been listening, you know, if you haven't grabbed it yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. There is a video course that teaches you how to get leads for your business that personally is responsible for making me millions and millions of dollars inside of my business. And I put it all together for you exactly how I did it, all my lessons learned, and it's free. If you haven't grabbed this, I don't know what you're waiting for. What do you not love about either implementing the thing that is almost solely responsible for my success in terms of marketing? Uh, and and it's free, and it's I'm just giving it to you, right? 
go and grab it. It's yours. It's called Winning Direct Mail. You can either go to winningdirectmail.com or you can go to mikesimmons.com. It's right there on the front page. Go and grab your copy of it. Uh, I'm thinking about charging for it in the near future, but for now it's free. So go grab it while it's free and take advantage of it. All right, guys. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey guys, uh, that was a bit abrupt. I think I ended it prematurely there, the intro, but that's all right. We're here, we're here, and it is Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. if you're out on the West Coast. My name is Mike Simmons. I am a wholesaler, house flipper, uh, landlord, you name it, here in Michigan, primarily wholesaling though. And uh, I do this every week. If you the first time you're joining me, welcome. I appreciate you being here. If you've been here before, welcome back. And if you're watching this on replay, uh, this is a live event on Wednesday night. So if you want to jump in and ask questions and be able to ask me things live and get live interaction and we can kind of go back and forth, I can clarify some things if I have questions about your question, we can do that. And uh, it's totally free. Uh, I, I am a coach and a mentor. Uh, I'm part of the Seven Figure Flipping Group. I, I'm an owner in that mastermind. Uh, it's an, it's a sizable investment to be involved in that and to get to chance to get access to me. But this is sort of the one kind of workaround or the cheat code that you get is once a week, I hop on here for a half an hour and I answer real estate questions for you and it's totally free. So, uh, you should take advantage of it. Um, there's nothing like getting something for free that normally costs money. And that's what this is. Um, also, guys, if you know anything about me, you know I'm all about uh, driving leads into my business and helping people do that in their business. Leads are like oxygen to your company. And just like your body, you cannot survive without oxygen very long. It depends on how long you can hold your breath or go without oxygen. Maybe some of us, that's a minute or two. Maybe people can do it for five minutes. I don't know, right? But there's a definite end to it, and it's not that long, right? No one is is holding their breath or going without oxygen for a couple of hours and living to talk about it in most cases. So uh, your business is the same way. If you're not getting leads into your business, your business is dying. It just is. And it will be dead soon if you don't get more and more leads. And so you have to think of it <clears throat> as like this living, breathing organism that requires oxygen going in and out so that you can survive as a business. And direct mail is one of the absolute best sources of leads that you will ever find, at least now. In the future, there could be something that works a lot better. There are other ways to find leads. Don't get me wrong. But when I ask the most successful investors that I know, and I know a lot of really, really successful six, seven, and eight-figure investors in real estate, and almost to a person, they tell me that direct mail is where they get the majority of their leads, and it's where they get the best bang for their buck in most cases for their leads. And so if you're interested in getting into direct mail to drive leads into your business, or if you're already doing it, but you're just not getting enough leads or the quality of leads aren't that great, or maybe the ROI on your leads isn't what you think it should be, then I have a solution for you. And here's the best part. It is free. It's called Winning Direct Mail. You can go to winningdirectmail.com and you can check it out. Or you can go to mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail. It's there on the screen if you want to check that out. If you're listening to this, again, that's mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail. It's a free video course. It walks you through it. It's The course is, is long enough to give you a very a clear and full representation of what it takes to actually run a successful marketing campaign, direct mail. 
But the video course is short enough that it's not going to take you weeks and weeks to go through it. You can go through it in a day if you really want to put your head down and go for it. Uh, maybe it might take you a couple, two or three days if you're just watching a couple videos at a time. But either way, <clears throat> it's a comprehensive A to Z uh, program that's totally free that I created for you out of the goodness of my heart to teach you how to do direct mail the way I do it, the way that I've done it to make millions of dollars and the way you can do it to get the same results. Absolutely, I should be charging for it. And I may do that in the future, but for now, it's for free. So uh, go and check that out. Okay. Uh, Let's jump into some questions. If you are here on the chat uh, with me inside of um, YouTube or Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn or wherever you're watching this and you want to ask questions, just go into the chat and, and ask questions and it'll populate for me. And I'll see it then. I'll answer them for you. Um, but if I don't get live questions, I do have a backup. I have people sending me questions all the time. And I go through those and pick the best ones to answer here for everyone. So you all get the benefit of hearing the answers, sometimes to questions you didn't even know you should have, right? Sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And somebody asks a question and you're like, wow, that is a great question. I never would have thought of it, but I'm glad that person did. I can't wait to hear the answer. That's what this is all about. So uh, to that end, let me jump in and start answering some of the questions that I have gotten. Okay. <clears throat> uh, first one, I own three out-of-state long-term rentals and am trying to find some ways to redu reduce turnover costs, such as vinyl plank flooring. Any other ideas? Well, vinyl plank flooring is a big flooring is a really good one. Um, you could also use um, engineered hardwood things you know that are waterproof and pretty much scratch proof and you know kind of a tank that can withstand the test of time carpeting we all know is is short term like it's going to get ruined it's going to get stained most likely if you have a long term rental and someone rents it for a year or two you can almost guarantee that when you go in the carpeting is going to be a disaster sometimes you have to replace it sometimes you can clean it but it never looks great after the first, you know, renter has been there and gone. And so vinyl plank is awesome. Engineered hardwood is great. Real hardwood can be okay too, but you know, water can affect it and it can get scratched and stuff. So yeah, vinyl and that, and that kind of stuff is great. Um, other than that, I mean, depending on the house itself, like granite holds up pretty well. Um, but really it's not, it's not as much about the materials. Like, it's almost like you can you can try to fortify this house with materials that are hard to destroy. That's one side of the equation. The other side of the equation is having your property management company or you if if the I know your houses are out of state, but if you're listening to this and you have in-state like local rentals is either you or your management company going there on a regular basis to do an inspection. That could be once a month is probably a little bit aggressive, but I think once a quarter is absolutely appropriate, twice a year at least, and at the very, very least once a year. But I think once a year, it's like the damage has already been done. It's going to be way too late. So I think once a quarter is great. Uh, when tenants know that they're going to have a, an inspection once a quarter, they can't let it get too far out of control. I've made the mistake in the past with rentals of like having someone there for two or three years and never going in it for two or three years. I. I can't even explain the level of damage and destruction and disgustingness that can happen after someone has rented your house for three years. It's a shame that people are willing to live in really bad conditions and put kids in really bad conditions. I would never do it. You probably would never do it, but people do. So 
you go into a house after two or three years uh, of it being rented and you've not seen it, there's a really good chance that house is going to be just gross. And so, you know, turnover goes from a couple thousand dollars to I, I've spent twenty, twenty five thousand dollars just doing a turnover like that destroys cash flow for years. So going in there often, kind of making it bulletproof with the materials, but then going in there often and making the tenants aware that keeping the house in the condition they found it is a prerequisite. It's part of the agreement and it should be in your agreement, in your in your lease. Um, something about you know unusual wear and tear. And I've been in most of my rentals have had unusual wear and tear because I wasn't in there enough. And so this is like lessons learned that I'm telling you something I didn't always do a great job of, but I'm telling you so you can do a better job. You need to get in those rentals. Bottom line, you have to see them. I don't want to just put in materials that I think they can't destroy and hope for the best. And I'll see you in two years. Put in materials that you hope they can't destroy and then go in there and make sure they're not destroying them. Uh, that's the best way to go, honestly, if you want to reduce your turnover costs. You got to get in there. Okay, next question. Uh, this person says, I just read for a good BRRRR, you need at least half off ARV. That means buying a 200K home for 100K, fixing it for under 50K, uh, and that is not realistic anymore. Do you think the strategy is dead? <clears throat> If you listen to this Q&A or you listen to me at all anywhere, you'll know exactly what I'm going to say here. Of course, of course, the strategy is not dead. And I don't think, first of all, it is realistic to get a house for 100000 when it's worth 200000 and put less than fifty k in it. Like That is absolutely still happening all over the place. I'm doing it. I know tons of people do it. It is 100% happening. So to sort of dismiss the idea of buying a house that's worth 200K ARV, buying it for 100 and fixing it up for less than 50, like you're almost, the person putting this question to me almost presents that as a given, like a fact. And that is the premise of the question is so far off reality, I can't even tell you. The Burr strategy is not dead. It is an absolutely alive and well strategy. Buying a house at half of the ARV is absolutely alive and well, happening all the time. There's no problem with that. Matter of fact, I would say it was harder to do that a year ago when house prices were soaring and everybody thought their house was worth twice what it was worth. Like everyone was freaking out thinking that their little dumpy house that they haven't updated in 30 years is worth, you know, top of the market and more like that was when it was hard to buy at a, at a low price. Now that the market's shifting, interest rates are going up, house prices are going down. We're in a recession. This is the time that it becomes easier to buy a house at 50% of ARV. So the premise of the question is frustrating to me, but no, the burst strategy still works. Uh, you can buy houses for half of ARV. And if I'm buying a house for a hundred thousand, that's worth two hundred thousand. Ultimately, I'll tell you right now, fifty k to renovate a house is a lot. This house would have to be destroyed for me to put fifty k into it. Most houses, if they're just kind of dated but in good condition, generally can be renovated for twenty five to thirty, maybe thirty five thousand. When you start getting up into fifty thousand on a two hundred thousand dollar house, 
that's a that's a total overhaul. Like you're you're doing everything to this thing. Like you're going down to the studs in some cases. You're replacing all of the mechanicals, the roof, the windows. Like you really have to work at it to spend over fifty k on a two hundred thousand dollar house. It just it shouldn't cost that much. You're you're paying your contractor too much. You're over renovating something. Something's going wrong in that renovation. And unless you tell me this house is just a dumpster fire, and that's Sometimes that's more of an anomaly, not an anomaly, but it's it's not the the rule. It's sort of more of an exception, right? In most cases, a two hundred thousand dollar house, ARV two hundred thousand that you buy for a hundred thousand, you're going to be putting twenty to thirty, maybe thirty five or forty at the most thousand dollars into that thing, and that's to make it in top top condition. So I don't think that uh, I don't think you're going to have to put over fifty k. But yeah, the burst strategy is alive and well to answer your question. Um, you can buy houses for 50 cents on the dollar in terms of ARV to caught to purchase price, right? It's worth 200, buy it for hundred happens all the time. We're doing it in my company every day. Like I, we have a list of properties right now, uh, in our pipeline that we got at, you know, 40 to 60% of ARV, right? So it's happening all the time. Um, we're doing better than 50% of ARV in some cases. So it's all alive and well, here's the thing. We buy houses from people, and I say we, I mean we as investors, not me, but we as investors, me included, <clears throat> we buy houses from people who are going through challenges in their life. There's something going wrong uh, in their life, or there's something really wrong with the house, right? <clears throat> and so we buy houses from people who have houses that are, have deferred maintenance, meaning bad roof, bad windows floors need to be done like there's everything's leaking and you know there's mold like houses that have real issues we buy those kind of houses obviously but we also buy houses that are in decent shape from people who are going through divorce maybe there's a death in the family job loss job transfer downsizing back taxes you know they owe back taxes um you know they're in trouble from the city from you know various um, things that the city is fining them for could be overgrown, whatever, or, you know, whatever. There's a lot of reasons why people sell us houses. All of those things, all of those reasons are happening right now. They were happening a year ago. They were happening 10 years ago. So there's always a market and there's always going to be sellers who are interested in and in fact have to sell quickly their house isn't in good shape or they are not in good shape, like financially or something about their life is out of control and selling you their house helps get them out of that problem. And oftentimes because of the condition of the house or the speed that they need to sell or some combination of those two things, we get it for 50 cents on the dollar. And so it's, it's happening. Yes, the birth strategy works great. It's working now. It'll work in 10 years. It's fine. Nothing's wrong with that strategy. And you can, in fact, get houses for 50% of ARV. No problem. So that's a limiting belief. You got to get that out of your head. You think it's not happening. But in fact, the instincts of this person is actually 100% off. Like a year ago, if somebody asked me this question, I probably would have had a little bit more sympathy and it may be softer response because house prices were skyrocketing and nobody wanted to sell their house for less than full retail or more because everyone was being told their house is worth full retail and more no matter what the condition is those days are gone that's that that stopped that started kind of winding down in the spring 
and it's fully gone now. And now that we're approaching wintertime, it's fully gone, right? People are starting to get the message through the media and friends and family and just things that their house is losing value and that people are not going to pay as much because not only is our house losing value, but interest rates are high, like at, at a, you know, several year high, like it, it, we're almost, we're at like seven and a half percent, I think, as I, as I'm recording this. And just like a year and a half ago, it was like two and three quarters, 3%, right? So interest rates have more than doubled. And so all of these things mean that homeowners, sellers are having to take less for their house. Well, if that's the case, what's the problem? What? Why would anybody be struggling right now to get a house 50% of ARV? Now is the time. And we're going into a time that's going to make it even easier. It's going to be even easier probably six months from now, a year from now, even easier, right? And so it's kind of a rant and and the person is not on live here with me. So that's, I guess, um, maybe a little easier to do, but it's totally alive and well. Don't worry about it. You can definitely use the birth strategy, right? Long story long, I guess. Um, <clears throat> okay. Uh, we got something here from Mike Smith right here. Let's see. Saw your presentation on the Flip Hacking Live replay. Awesome stuff as usual. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate that. Uh, very nice of you. If you guys haven't, by the way, checking that out, check that out. Uh, Flip Hacking Live happened earlier uh, in, in in August. Or, I'm sorry, October, halfway through October. I was in Orlando, gave a presentation. There was a replay of that last week. And if you want to still, I think the doors are still open, I think, to get into the Seven Figure Flipping Mastermind, just go to, um, I think you just go to fliphackinglive.com and there'll be a way to, to get involved there if you want to. So go and check that out. Okay, uh, Mike Smith uh, then goes on to say, what can I say to best leverage my position? As I am concerned, they might reach out to other home buyers in the meantime. Sorry, such a long convoluted question. Oh, wait, I think I missed the other part of your question. Here we go. Sorry, I got ahead of myself. I realize once you have a contract, uh, discussed the price, in a sense, you've lost leverage. If they need time to discuss with family members, do you leave the contract anyway? Now, he said, what can I say to best leverage my position? As I'm concerned, they might reach out to other home buyers. In the meantime, sorry, such a long convoluted question. Uh, let's see. Mike knows his stuff. That's me, I guess. We both maybe know our stuff. The time that deals are appearing, people are saying, let's see. The time that deals are appearing, people are saying there's no deals out there. It's bizarre and backwards. It is so bizarre and backwards, Mike. I cannot agree with you more. Thank you for corroborating my rant. The deals are out there, guys. There's always going to be deals. So get that out of your brain. Okay. Let me answer your question, Mike. <clears throat> there's a couple things here. So when you're going to talk to a seller, number one, no. We don't leave contracts behind. We never do that. We definitely try to get them to sign while we're there. And here's how we do it. But you're concerned that they're going to go and talk to somebody else. We usually tell them, depending on the person and like what's happening, you know, you got to kind of feel the situation out and who you're dealing with. But in general, the attitude that we typically go into that scenario with when they say, well, um, you know, you want to talk to other family members, whatever. We usually say something along the lines of, okay, great. I get that. You want to talk to other family members? I don't blame you. It's a big decision. Totally fine. Here's the deal. Here We have a couple of options here. Number one, I can leave and just you talk to your family members and, and do what you got to do. And again, no hard feelings. I get that. It's a big decision and you should do what's right for you and your family. However, if I leave here 
I only have so much money to spend on, on houses this month or this week or however you want to phrase it. I have other appointments today and I have other appointments this week. And so I may, in fact, use the money that I've earmarked to buy your house. I may use that to buy a different house. And if I do, again, no hard feelings. Like, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you let me in. I'm very interested in your house, but I don't have unlimited fundings. And so if I leave here, one of two things could happen. Either I uh, I find another house that the person is is ready to say yes right now and I buy their house and maybe I I just don't have the ability to buy your house anymore. So that's one risk. The other risk is if I leave and come back, my offer might change, right? I may not be able to make you the same offer that I made you today um, because things change in my business. The market changes. Interest rates could go up again. Like there's a lot of things that's that's happening right now in the market, as you know, and I can't guarantee my price beyond today. And so if we don't say yes to it now, that price may may change when I come back. But here's what we can do. <clears throat> and I think this is a win-win for everybody. Why don't we do this? Why don't you sign the contract today as is, and we'll write a little note on it, and we'll both initial it that says you can cancel this contract with no penalties, no obligations. We both walk away as friends within 24 hours or 48 or whatever you want to agree to, but I wouldn't do more than 48. I would say 24 is good. So within 24 hours, you call me and say, rip up the contract. I rip it up. We both sign this little note that I'm going to write on the bottom right now. We sign it saying you have 24 hours to get out of it. You can talk to your family. But if you talk to your family and they say, yeah, let's do it. You know, you've locked in the price with me. I'm not going to change the price because we already signed a contract. But if you don't sign a contract, I'm not obligated to keep my price the same. If you want my price to not change between today and tomorrow or the next day, let's sign it now. And you have 24 hours. You can back out. No obligation. Uh, we'll, we'll part as friends. How does that sound? Something along those lines. That's what I would say. Um, and most people have a little bit of a scarcity mentality. And that's that's a little bit kind of poking that scarcity a little bit. And so they go, well, I don't want the price to change. I don't want him to lower his offer. I will lock in the price. He's going to let me cancel it anyway, right? But there's a psychology behind them signing the contract right then and there, not letting you leave. Because you're right, once you give them the price, they can go shop that price around. So we just let them know, we just don't really play that game. Um, if you want to shop it around, it's totally fine. If you get a better price, absolutely. But I'm not going to raise my price just because you found somebody else. I'm here now. I'm willing to buy it now. And there's a lot of people that will come and offer you prices that they can't even honor, right? There's just a lot of bad people in our industry. And some people will offer you way more than they can actually pay. And then they're going to cancel the contract in a few weeks or a few days. I don't do that. Matter of fact, we signed this contract today. I'm going to honor it. <clears throat> you have 24 hours to get out of it. Let's get it signed so I don't lower the price. I don't spend this money somewhere else. And if you don't want to honor it at 24 hours from now, we'll, we'll rip it up and we'll be done. And then once it's signed, obviously, then we, we leave a copy of it. But um, yeah, so that's how we typically handle it when somebody doesn't want to. There's, there's a lot of subtleties in there. There's other strategies you can kind of use and things. But, um, you know, sometimes it's the takeaway like, OK, you want to talk to your family? Totally fine. I get that. But I'm going to go look at another house that is a similar price point. And if I buy it, I'm just I'm not going to be able to take your house. I'm not going to be able to buy it. It's a little bit of scarcity, right? You kind of do the takeaway. Um, but there's a lot of ways you can go about it. That's one of the ways that we use that works pretty well. Just let them know. And it's true. We may not honor the price tomorrow because if 
rates do get hiked and, and house prices go down in a week or whatever it takes them to reach us again, we're just not going to have the same. Or if we just have less money available, right? We may have to make a lower offer for it to make sense. So anyways, that's kind of a long answer to a long question. So there you go. All right. Uh, let's see here. Um, bah, 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 bah. All right. Next question. Okay. Let me put it up here on the screen. Okay, this might be the last one unless somebody live has a, another question like Mike or somebody else. Um, all right, the question is, I know you live in Michigan. Are there good neighborhoods to invest in short-term rentals in the greater Detroit area? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of places, honestly. It depends on your strategy. Some people want this like unique sort of Instagrammable you know, place that they can use for short-term rentals. You know, if you're going to go that route, just buying a house in a subdivision and like slapping it up on Airbnb is probably not going to work great. But for example, um, my bookkeepers do books for other investors in the area, and they have someone who has short-term rentals in Ferndale, right? And so this isn't interesting for if you're not in Michigan to hear this. Nobody knows who what Ferndale is, but Ferndale, um, they said that their client who has short-term rentals in Ferndale are crushing it. They're always full and it's just, it's going bonkers. Royal Oak would be a great one. Um, I don't think you can have them in Gross Point anywhere, but that'd be a good one if you could. Someplace within 30 minutes of downtown is actually really, really good. Some of these quaint little towns like Plymouth and, you know, um, would be good. Uh, yeah, just some of these quaint little, there's a lot of quaint little towns, right? But here's one thing that was brought to my attention recently. This is not necessarily the greater Detroit area, but one thing I did not realize about Michigan was Michigan has the second most ski resorts in the entire country. Uh, New York has the most at 49, but Michigan has 39. They have the second most ski resorts. That's a fantastic idea for short-term rentals is to buy them near a ski resort. So that's an example of, of another th way you can go in the Michigan area. I'm actually considering it myself. So I'm telling you my potential future plans, but I think it's a good one. Um, people have brought up to me also places like Cadillac being a really you know interesting spot for short-term rentals. Traverse City or just outside of Traverse City, really good spot for short-term rentals. So there's a lot of opportunities in Michigan for sure. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Go back to Mike. Mm, 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 mm. Okay. So regarding this, this conversation with the sellers, uh, he said, where would you put that in the seller terms section? I don't know if you're asking or telling me that, but I think you're asking me, we'd put it at the bottom, you know, like an, as a note, we would put this like, Hey, the, you know, we just put it, we've done this before many times, put a note seller, uh, is, has the option to cancel this contract within 24 hours. Honestly, I, I believe any contract can be canceled within 24 hours. So we're not really offering them anything they couldn't do, but most people don't know that. And so we put it on the bottom in writing, we and we initial it, and it just makes them feel better. So that's that's where we put it, just at the bottom. We don't try to cram it into the middle of it somewhere. Just just put it at the bottom, handwrite it yourself. You don't have to type it. But the, you know, this is you didn't ask me this, Mike, but I just want to make sure that we're being clear on this. Never go to a seller appointment without a contract. Never, 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 never. And if you can at all help it, never leave a seller appointment without a signed contract. Do not get in the habit of letting people think about it for a day or two without getting... We always want to get that signature. We're trying to convince them to get the signature on the paper, not because we're trying to trick them or be bullies or anything like that. 
I just know over time, it has been proven that most people, when they sign the contract, even if they know that they have 24 hours to get out of it, psychologically, it turns something off in their head that's telling them they have this task of selling their house, right? Once they sign the contract, they're not out. Usually, they're not continuing the process. They're going to go talk to their family and then they're going to decide if they're going to go with you. But you want to get that contract signed to try to slow down or stop this flood of investors coming by and giving them offers, right? You want to get there first and get that contract signed. So we just put it at the bottom. <clears throat> Let's see. Mike says, I would put the 24 hour seller cancellation clause in the seller terms section. So I don't know what your purchase agreement looks like. My purchase agreement, we just put it at the very bottom near the, like underneath the signatures. We just put a line that the seller has 24 hours to cancel this contract. And then we date it, obviously. And then and then we sign it. So I don't try to like put it in any section. We put it right at the bottom under the signatures. It's sort of like in the notes or additional, you know, sometimes we have like, I think there is a line now in our contract that says, I don't look at these contracts a lot because I'm not out doing, here's the good news, guys. I, I have automated my wholesale business that I've got a whole team that does this for me. So I don't see the contracts on a regular basis. I, I rarely see them, but I believe we do have an additional terms with a couple of lines. And so if there's anything that crops up during the conversation that we need to account for, we just put it in the additional terms. So it goes right there. It's at the bottom of the contract. <clears throat> Okay. Um, let's see. Mike is now saying, question two. You obviously get winter in Detroit. Do you change buying patterns for wholesale or flipping based on seasonality? Or is it always just based on whether the deal makes sense at the time? It's always based on whether the deal makes sense at the time. It's a good question. Um, early on in my business, I did try to adjust my marketing and my buying based off of the weather and the holidays. And there was, a, there was one year we decided... My partner and I decided between Thanksgiving and Christmas, we were going to stop all marketing because we did, our thinking was, I don't think we get a lot of deals during that time. We don't get a lot of calls. People are preoccupied and with you know the holidays and all that. And so let's just stop marketing. And what we found was when we did that, yeah, we stopped marketing during those times. So the calls dried up. But the problem is we got no calls in January either because we hadn't marketed in December. And so January turned out to be slow. We started marketing in January. I think we didn't market until like the second week of January. And then February was really slow. And so we ended up having four basically slow or non-existent months. And so that was a bad idea. And so we started kind of playing around with reducing it around Easter, around Christmas and all that. And what we actually found out at the end of the day was there was absolutely no logic and no reason behind slowing down anything. We go full steam ahead 24-7, 12 months out of the year. Like we're full steam ahead. We don't slow or stop our business. And what we found was when, when you're marketing, when you stop marketing, it takes a long time to sort of crank that engine back up. There is... People say it all the time and it's hard to explain and, and maybe there's no real great explanation, but there is momentum behind marketing. It's why a lot of times when you start marketing from scratch, it takes maybe three, four, five months to get your first deal. But then once you get that first deal and you have those four or five months of marketing behind you, the next one comes sooner, the next one comes sooner. And then they start kind of flooding in. And if you stop marketing, 
you kind of have to start that cold engine all over again. And it's a really bad, I, I can tell you lessons learned 100,000% do not stop marketing for anything. It will really have a negative impact on your business. It's just a bad idea. Unless you only want to do a couple of deals a year, then maybe you don't market all year long. But if you want to build a consistent, reliable, predictable revenue stream in your business, you have to use a predictable, reliable, consistent marketing strategy. It just makes sense, right? So I don't stop. I just, I buy deals that make sense all year long. And there's pros and cons to buying and selling in the winter, right? If you're a seller in the wintertime in Michigan, you're going to get less buyers. Okay, so for me as an investor, that means I have less competition, right? I'm going in there and there's less people trying to buy that property. I get it at a better price, that's great. If I'm trying to sell in the wintertime, you know, that brings on its own challenges too. But sometimes, you know, the fact of the matter is we only need one person to buy our house, right? We only need one. And so uh, we just, we continuously all year long. Now I'm mostly a wholesaler, so I don't worry necessarily about the retail buyer. It's not a big deal for me. So in the winter, I'm getting great deals. And honestly, as a wholesaler, Selling to flippers in the wintertime is the absolute best time. And, and that's, by the way, a good flipper is most active buying in the wintertime because they buy it. And by the time they renovate it, we're in the spring. That's the best time to sell for retail, right? And so typically our best months as a wholesaler for revenue is like the third and fourth quarter because all the house flippers are buying up everything they can. So they're working on them in the winter months and they sell them in the spring. So as a wholesaler, it's a great time. And as a, as a flipper, it's a great time because again, you're going to buy them and then sell them in the spring. So yeah, man, all year long, just be a pro. Like if you're doing this and you want to build a business, be a pro, but you're, you know, when does, uh, when does Amazon shut their doors? Do they ever stop? Never does, you know, Walmart ever stop? No, they're always open. Does Kmart ever stop? Well, Kmart's gone, but they stopped permanently. But like Meyer, they never stop, right? No, a professional business is in business 24-7 if their business is not, you know, inherently um, seasonal. So if we're not selling ice cream, let's just do it all the time. All right, guys. Mike, thank you, by the way, for your questions. You you apologize for a long question, but that's great. I, it's, this is the fun for me. Like doing it, interaction live like this is awesome. So thanks for being on. Thanks for asking the questions. I'm going to cut it off for tonight, though, guys. It was awesome having you here. Mike, thank you. For those of you who are doing Fly on the Wall, uh, that's great. There's there's no problem there either. Uh, go, go to my website, MikeSimmons.com, and grab your copy of winning direct mail. It's right there on the front page of MikeSimmons.com. You just put in uh, your information, boom, we send it to you and you have a video course that will solve all of your direct mail issues if you have any. So, all right, guys, we'll see you next time and uh, get out there and go after it. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. Remember, I do these Q&As live on Facebook on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I hope you enjoyed this. Tune in next week for another installment of live Q&As answering your questions. Okay. Until next time.